0: John chapter 8, praise the Lord, John chapter 8. Amen. We started just a couple of weeks ago pursuing something that I had in my heart about truth. Mm-hmm. And so we've uh, launched out into a series that, we've, that we're calling The Truth Will Set You Free. Amen, Amen or The Truth Will Make You Free. Amen. Do you believe it? Yes. Well, it's in the Bible. So if you have any regard and respect for the Bible, you'll say, yeah, I believe that. Praise God. Glory to God. So we're going to launch out into this again. Father, we thank you today for your assistance, your presence here. I thank you for that pastoral office and gift. It came from you, Jesus. Glory to God. And I pray that you would cause me right now to come unto these, your people, in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Glory to God. Father, I just make a demand on all that you put in me. God, let, the, let it come forth freely and not be me at all, but let it be all of you. Father, we recognize that uh, utterance and what happens in the service is greatly, greatly affected by the hearer and what they're doing and how they're engaged and how they're involved with their faith, pulling on the gift and receiving from you. So I thank you, God, that they're anointed for their part today. And that, God, in the end, I'll do my part, they'll do their part, you're going to do your part, and everyone will be blessed, and you will be glorified. God, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, I trust that's not just formality, that, but you're believing with me. Right. Right. I want you to believe with me. Uh, praise God. You know, there's... In any age of the church, in any of these centuries that have gone by since the resurrection, none of it's been unimportant time. But we're living in this time. And we find ourselves with our toes on the threshold of the end of the age. You know, some have said uh, misreading their English Bible, you know, of course, and thank God we have an English Bible. I don't speak any other language. Uh, praise God. So I'm thankful for that. But, you know, like in Matthew 24, Luke 21, when Jesus was asked about the signs of the times and of the end of the world, people think the world's going to end. That world, that's an unfortunate translation. It's really age. That's what they asked him. When is the age going to end? And he launched out and told them what the signs would be, what the conditions would be. And, you know, we see all of them. I mean, intensely. Right in our face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been telling folks in our mentoring time uh, that I have more expectancy in me today of the imminent return of the Lord and the catching away of the church and what we call the rapture Mm -hmm. than at any other time I've had before in my life since I started serving God in 1995. I mean, that includes coming into the year 2000 and Y2K and all of that. You remember that? Praise God. People were storing up foods and moving into caves and all of that, you know, over about the year 2000. And uh, I don't have time to tell you this morning why I believe that. Amen. But there's scriptural patterns and God has a calendar. And when you look at the nation of Israel and what Jesus said, the signs would be like what Paul said. We have it all. We have it all. And uh, praise God. Now, that's not to depress you. That that ought to excite you. You know, I used to run the, uh, to stay in shape during the basketball offseason, I used to run track. And I'm not fast. So they always put me on the long stuff. You know, so like on the two-mile or the two-mile relay. And, uh, you know, the the two-mile race uh, is eight laps around a quarter-mile track. And you know you you make it around six laps, seven laps, seven and a half laps. Even though you might felt like quitting on lap five, when you see you turn that final turn, there's no quitting. Then you're going to reach down way deep. You're going to find a little exhaust, a little fume down in the bottom of the tank, and you're going to burn it. Amen, and get across the finish line. I meet a lot of Christians that uh, when you go to talking about the signs that are right before us, they get depressed, their heads go down. Well, you know, when I leave here, I'm heading to Nashville. Mm -hmm. Amen. And the closer I get to Nashville, the more signs I'm going to see. And those signs don't depress me. They're just letting me know I'm getting closer and closer and closer. I'm about to be where I'm going. We're going to see the king, guys. I said, we're about to see the king, guys. Now, I'm not off my subject. Do you know the kind of Christian that does not excite? The unspiritual one. The unprepared one. The one not walking in the truth. The one not walking in the light. Amen. Amen. And I want you, as 1 John says, I want you to have confidence before him at his coming. Amen. And that you and I be not ashamed when he appears. That's right. But that's an individual decision we're all going to have to make. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And so I want you to have courage this morning. to uh, Now I'm not out because God's not out. To expose anyone. You know, if 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 if, a, uh, if someone in a church service is exposed, and it's God that did it, not not a wrong-hearted, you know, you know, angry preacher, but a but a but really God instructs to deal with something. It is because that person is standing on the threshold of destruction and judgment, and in God's love, it's a last-ditch effort. To try, it's mercy, yeah, to try to get them. I remember Dr. Dufresne, I'm so glad. This is one service with Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father of uh, 10 years. He's in heaven now. That I was not in with him. The, the, it was a large large church, probably four or five times as big as this one. had uh, four sections, just, well, we have, we have four sections here, so it would have been like that. And God told him as he was preparing to uh, take the pulpit, this was not his church, he was a guest minister. And as he was preparing to come and minister in the service, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, uh, four couples on the praise and worship team are swapping wives. They're swapping spouses and having sex with each other. It's known among leadership. He hasn't done anything about it. I want you to deal with it when you get up. How many of you would like to be in that service? Now, I'll tell you why, I, you, it'll be said in a moment why I'm glad I wasn't there as one of his spiritual sons. And so he said, as I would have, God, I'm a guest here. He, he's the pastor. He knows about it. Have him deal with it. And God said, I've tried to. He won't. And if this is allowed to continue, the leaven of that sin will spread throughout the whole congregation. I'm trying to rescue this church. Get up there and do it. Well, he got everybody. Hey, it's all right. We're not heading to (laughs) simmer down. It's okay. We're going to talk about truth and light today, so you're all right, unless you're not all right. And if you're not all right while I'm talking, you need to get right right now. I'm walking by faith in this service. I don't know what God's going to do, so anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he got up, and he just simply said what the Spirit of God said. Members of the praise and worship team, four couples, you're swapping wives, you're having sex with each other. God loves you, but you need to repent. You need to come up here right now and repent. And of course, the birds started chirping. I mean, nobody moved. Nobody moved. And uh, so Dr. Dufresne did what I would have done. He said to God, I tried. I tried. They won't, they won't acknowledge it. And God said to him, Find them. (laughs) Find them. Now, there's four sections, and there was uh, quite a few ministers there that sat like me, spiritual sons that were submitted to Dr. Dufresne. And and so this is what Dr. Dufresne did. He said, all right, I'm going to take this section. He pointed at one of his sons, one of his preachers, and said, you go take that section. (laughs) Pointed to another one, you take that section. And a third one, you take that section, and God is going to show us who it is. That is why I am glad I was not in that service with Dr. Dufresne right then. Well, praise God. Hey, you know, this is how church is supposed to be. Not people sleeping around. But where there's power, amen, where there's power, where God is really moving, and, and there's gifts there. Not God. Now, what, again, what got me off on this? Do, is it God's pleasure to expose these couples? No doubt there's been conviction, sorrow, right? He even made the pastor aware of it. God would love to keep these kind of things, corrective things, private. But He cares about His sheep, He cares about that. He cared about that sheepfold. Yeah, that's right. Well, one by one, they were, just un- they were just led by the Spirit. And they would find themselves standing in front of a couple. And Dr. Dufresne said, you're it. And they said, no, you're, no, we're not. Uh-uh, you missed it, prophet. Uh-uh. He said, no, you're the one. And he just stayed with it until they broke down, cried, and they went up front. And I mean, God led all four of those preachers to the right couples And they were brought forward and, in love, were led in correction and prayer and repentance. You know, after the service, the pastor was hot mad. He did not receive, he did not appreciate how Dr. Dufresne did that. Well, it wasn't Dr. Dufresne, it was God. That's obviously God. He didn't even go to church there. How's he supposed to know? It's obviously God. Well, because of that church's response, that that pastor's response, the church went to zero, and doesn't exist. Amen. Friends, we're God is going to have a people. The sand is in the bottom of the hourglass, and He must have a people that He can fill with His presence, power, and glory who will go out and reap this precious fruit of the earth so that the age can end and God can go on into the next step of his redemptive program that's ultimately going to culminate with Jesus being back on this earth. And God will have a people. You know, right before Jesus' first coming to the planet, what was God up to right Right before that, what ministry was raised up? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Remember, uh, John the Baptist. John was a cousin of Jesus. He was about, am I get that, about six months older. He was born about six months older. And God raised up this prophet. What the Bible called Jesus confirmed the greatest prophet of the Old Testament is John the Baptist. And uh, what was John the Baptist's mandate from God? What was his ministry assignment? He said of that, he said, "My ministry is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah that says, "There is a voice crying in the wilderness. Make a way for the Lord, right? Make a straight way in the wilderness. For the, make God a people who are ready for His arrival." So God, in his goodness, he uh, preempted the first coming of Jesus. Yeah. Y'all are listening. That's yeah, good. Yeah, the yeah. first coming of Jesus with a ministry that had a message. Amen. And what was John the Baptist? His ministry assignment was make me a, make a way, make yeah. the people ready. Yeah. And the way he accomplished that was with a message. What was John the Baptist's message? Repent. repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is nigh at hand. He said, repent and bear fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, l- when you get up out of this water and you respond to this prophetic call to repent, change your mind, change your thinking, change your direction. Hello. Then he said, go forth. And don't let it just be a prayer you prayed, but go let your life reflect the change that you just proclaimed right here. Well, if, if God raised up a prophetic voice with a prophetic message right before the first coming of the Lord, I personally expect that right before his second amen, and for his church, the catching away of the church... Amen. And one of our first appointments will be that evaluation, that judgment. Are you going to get any reward or are you going to get rebuked? How much reward will be given? How much reward will be withheld from you as a believer? Thank God your, your destination is set. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. But you know, we don't all get equal, equal in heaven. He rewards accordingly. Uh, That's good news for some, and that's not so good news for others. But but I fully expect that there is a strong there. There'll be a voice. Amen. I'm not that voice. I'm a voice. I'm a voice. But all week long, I've, I've I've just sort of heard the sweetness, the sweet call of the heavenly Father in my heart. Tell the people. Tell the people. To come out yeah. of darkness. Amen. Come out. Amen. Receive the truth. Amen. Embrace the truth. Walk in the light. Amen. Mm-hmm. Make yourself right. Make yourself ready. I'm not talking about Jesus being your Lord, your Savior, makes you right for heaven. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. But I'm talking about right for right now so he can use you. And so that you can avoid the harvest of the sinful seeds that maybe some have sown. Are you ready? You know, I tell you what, God's got a magic eraser called the blood. And when you you and I stand before him, we will not have to talk to him about anything that we put the blood on, that we repented of. Amen. That's good news. Yeah. I said, that's good news. Amen. That you, you can know with all assurance, you will not ha- He will not ask you about. Right. That's you want to know why? He won't know about. Right. It will be purged from His consciousness because when we repent of our sin, He casts it yeah. into the sea of forgetfulness. He separates us as far from it as the east is from the west. Amen? But when the last trumpet sounds and you get called out of that suit of clothes you're in right now, whatever you take with you to heaven, unrepented of, you will talk to the master about. And I will too. You know, the Bible says that men will give an account to God for every idle word, every idle, unproductive word ever spoken. Now, I, don't, I, I, I have a godly staff, and I'm thankful for that, and this is where I come to work all week, and so I don't get to rub shoulders with you know, unbelievers too much, but I do go to the gym. And it is appalling to me The language that people of every stripe, every age, that you will hear. You know. Now, I didn't didn't grow up in a holy time. I grew up in the 90s. You know, I was a high schooler in. I graduated high school in 1991. That That was a little while ago now. 1991. Graduated high school. And there's plenty of sin going on back then. But I don't remember... It be an okay to drop f bomb after f bomb after f bomb in strange public company, without. And, and what you hear and the filth and the conversation and the uh, the the music and and we're just this and God loves us all. I mean, He loves us yeah. all right in the middle of it, but just marinating and seeping and yeah. I want to I wanna sometimes grab that young guy I'm thinking about and say listen man do you know do you know yes. you will have to verbalize and give an account for every single filthy word you have uttered yeah. that's right. yeah. and that's just one little tiny aspect of our judgment before God yeah. come on man yeah. get a clue Amen. Amen. Anyway, I better read a scripture here. How about that? John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Hallelujah. But I hope y'all, I know you were listening to what, I, what the Holy Ghost was saying. He's going to have a people. And it's either get in, get out of the way. It's either get with the program or fall to the wayside. No, no more living in gray land. No, no God's, not, God's had his fill of this whole attitude in his church of I want just enough Jesus to go to heaven and I, I want all the rest of the world. Drink like the world, live like the world, be uncommitted like the world, have low standards like the world. That just, that's not going to fly. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's look at something Jesus said here. In John chapter 8 verse 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, John chapter 8, verse 31. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. The word know here in the Greek is the word genosko. And it literally means to know by experience. It's not a head knowledge. It's not a, oh, I know that scripture. No, it's, it's you've experienced this knowledge. You shall know with experience the truth. And the truth you experience, amen, will set you free. It will make you free. Are you with me? Let me just say quickly uh, a couple of things we've said before for those who were not here for the previous sessions. Truth releases freedom into your life. Truth does. And there is no freedom apart from truth. For there to be real liberty, real freedom in your life, you cannot have that apart from the truth. So you have to know the truth. You have to accept the truth. You have to embrace the truth. You have to conform your life to the truth. And as you do that, to the degree that you do that, it will release real freedom into your life. Now, you leave this place like I'm going to. We live, we, the dark, the world is darker than you and I probably realize. I mean, if you were an inhabitant of heaven and you lived in pure light, in pure holiness, not a trace of doubt or fear or unbelief or lust or perversion or sin of any kind, amen, and you looked into what you and I are living in every day, they would probably be shocked. They might even say of you, those Christians down there are doing a lot better than I think they ought to do. I mean, it is dark down there. It's dark. It's wicked. It's bad down there. Amen. We just When we leave here, if you click on media, uh, if you have social media, you know, are you getting the truth on social media? You're getting what they want you to see. They're going to pump into you what they want you to think about X, Y, and Z and a whole lot of other things. Amen. Click on the news. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, the great Smith Wigglesworth, uh, entertained one day over in England a young preacher named Lester Summerall. Maybe you heard of him. He was in his 20s. And when he came over that day, he had the newspaper under his arm to come in and visit with Lester Summerall. He said, you can come in, but I don't let lies in my house. He had to throw that thing behind the bushes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So listen, if truth releases freedom into your life, what will, uh, what will lies do? What will untruth bring into your life? Right. Bondage. That's right. Total bondage. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. I'll make mention of this and don't think that I'm picking on a particular people group or thing or whatever. But I, I did some review this morning of major legitimate studies, science, you know, scientific studies from like John Hopkins University on uh, questions about um, gay lifestyles, homosexual living, and uh, comparing what they found in science to the commonly held belief today. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. You know, in our, it's, it's everywhere now. It was, just a, it was here, and it was here, and it was here. Now in every show, they've, they've got characters and plot lines that include gay people. You know? And hey, we're, we love all people. We just love all people. Amen. But uh, it's just very, 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 very accepted out there that people who are gay were born that way. Well, a very recent John Hopkins study proves that's not true. It's not true. There is no scientific evidence. There is no, nobody in all of our technology today, no gay gene. No gay gene. Homosexuality is a product of nurture, not nature. Think about it. If, if, if homosexuality was a product of nature, it would die out among nature because two homosexuals can't make anything. It would die out in the gene pool. You, you get me? Because they can't produce anything. I'm not picking on anybody. But I have to, this, is, this has just become, this is accepted. This is the way it is. They present this idea that, uh, that people who live this way are just as happy, just, they have just as much mental health, no. that just as much happy. But do you know that recent surveys have found that suicide attempts and suicide rates among homosexual people is way above the average, and it's high above the anyway, but it's way up there higher. See, what is being presented to you in the culture and in the media is a lie. It is a lie. And the one that I want to to get over that to the most in love and compassion is the one living this way. I want y'all to know, because I don't want you to drink the Kool-Aid, but we want those precious people to know, no, sweetie, you were not born that way. And it's even worse now because they're, going to bring, they're bringing this into the school system to reinforce it at younger and younger ages. It's sick. I said it's sick. Parents, protect your children. I'm just saying protect them. I'm not saying pull them out of public school, but I'm saying you better find out what kind of trash your kids are getting. And I mean, if you've got teenage boys, get them in the youth group. Don't let them come here and live outside the youth group. They need your your teenagers need believing friends. They need they need people their age that think right. Well, we'd have to give up this. Then give it up. Give it up. Wake up. It's like a lot of parents that just don't want to be inconvenienced. We're talking about your children's minds. Their souls. You know, but if the culture, and they've been largely successful among the population, getting the lie to be believed as the truth, that it's just another way. You can live, yeah. and it's not. It's not. Yeah. Come a long way with since since AIDS came out yeah. when I was young, you know, and all of that it, it, it came on the scene, and uh, you know, thank thank God. But almost no one gets it today, right. except now. I know, oh man, I'm that's bad, is it? You know, people out there are gonna say I'm homophobic or whatever. No, I'm just saying the reality statistically is that people who get this deadly disease happen to be those that are practicing this particular lifestyle. They're not going to tell you that in Hollywood. Right? It's not any less okay to be hetero and being sexually wrong. There's, girls, there's a bug out there. You have sex one time. If that bug climbs up in your reproductive system, unless God gives you a miracle, you're never going to have a baby. Right. Preaching good. Visitors like, oh man. I'm like, well, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise what are we after? Lord, the, truth. the truth. What will the truth do if you accept it? <laughs> Set, you Set you free. But if you dig in, and you, you just want to rebel against the, oh, that antiquated, out of touch, religious idea of those Christians out there. Well, sorry. But it's not going to end well. I said it's not going to end well. Turn with me over to John chapter 3. Are y'all out, are y'all out there? Y'all all right? Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. John chapter 3. Praise God. God. Who are we mad at? Nobody. Nobody. Who we want to help? Everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Everybody. You know, I, I was one of these teenagers, like some of the teens we have. And I love all of our teens. But some of our teens, you're like me back in that day. I came to church because my parents drugged me, not because if, my, if I had a choice, if I could drive, if I was in charge, I wouldn't have come. Amen. That's some of y'all here today. Yeah. Amen. Don't think I don't know. Right. <laughs> Praise, God. Praise God. Well, the sooner young person you can get interested right. yeah. in living right, Amen. the, the more heartache, you will be spared. So I'm not better than you. I'm out ahead of you. I walked that path. So I had to be there. So what was I? I wasn't interested in what that preacher was saying. I didn't care. I'm interested in that other teenage girl. Is she available? And it's a big church. Could I find a nook, in the, a cranny in the church, I could get me a kiss or a, something like that. That's what I was interested in, just to tell y'all the real truth about it. And I went on in that attitude, on through high school, and I had all kinds of different relationships. I was involved in all kinds of things. Let me tell you what it produced it produced guilt, it produced shame, it produced uh, pretty much the total destruction of my self esteem, it robbed me of my innocence. I hurt a whole lot of people. And none of those relationships with girls that I was involved with ever produced anything but sorrow, heartache, and pain. The only relationship with a girl that I ever did the relationship God's way, she's still in my life. Isn't that funny how that works? She's still in my life. Met her in 1993. She's the only one I did it the Bible way with. That's right. Amen. So I got, I, I, got, I got God's blessing. I got what God intended. Amen. Praise God. Amen. But just keep embracing the lie that I can sin with impunity and it don't matter. I'll get myself turned around sometime. You might not have sometime. Amen. I said, you might not have some time. A uh, Jewish rabbi, they've, uh, a lot of rabbis, they have this metaphor, this saying. And they say, it, their, their little saying is, when sin begins, it's like being tied up in spider's webs. That doesn't sound too intimidating, right? But he said, in the end, it's like being tied up with cart ropes or ship ropes. You won't be free. Don't believe the lie that you can sin and be free. can't. I said you can't. The Bible does say sin is pleasurable for a time. But you're going to get the sting of it just like I did. You know when I decided to come to myself, I went all the way to the bottom. I went all the way to the bottom. I was ready. I was negotiating with myself about the end of my life. I was going to end my life at my own hand. But God came in that hallway right then. You don't have to go to the bottom. Now, some people don't think, well, I'll go ahead. You came off the bottom. A lot of people go to the bottom and don't come off. No guarantee you're going to bounce the upper direction could just be your burial place. God. It's the bottom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. John chapter 3, verse 15 through 21. I'm not going to go too much longer. I know what, it's, what it is on the back wall. Y'all are doing good, though. You getting something? Amen. You getting, a, you getting a hell scared out of you? Yes. Praise God. I'm not talking cuss. I'm talking there's a hell, and we want it out of you. John chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus said that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, excuse me, but have everlasting life. Thank God for that. Amen. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. They are condemned already. That's the truth. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, listen, pay attention with me the last three verses here we want to read, verse 19, 20, 21. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Basically, he says, this is the condemnation. So he gives us the good news ahead of time. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son, right? Who, who died a horrible death, took our place in sin. He did it not because he's angry with the world or he's mad at the world, but because he loved the world. And he says now, the, verse 19 begins, the result is now... This, I'm, this is the Cody way to say, this is the condemnation. This is the just reason why the unbelieving will be judged the way they will be judged. Because people who had no way out were provided a glorious way out. And instead of taking it, they went the other way. Why? Because they love the darkness and not the light. Someone who lives like that, someone who dies like that will be worthy of the judgment they receive. Right? Mm -hmm. Verse, uh, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Verse 19, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were what? They were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. That's a really obvious reason why a lot of people don't come to church. Church is a place where light is shining. Why would they want to come there? Lest their dark, evil deeds be exposed. And they certainly, why would they want to sit there, even unexposed, hidden, and have their lifestyle slammed for 45 minutes? but they have no intention of changing anyway. Right. The only different class among them is those unfortunate teenagers that didn't have any choice. Hallelujah. They got to go. Praise <laughs> God. Good for you, mom and dad. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and eventually, it, took, it did take hold with me. Yeah. It took hold. Right. God got a hold of me. Amen. Thank God. God. Verse 24, Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Yeah. But he who does the truth Comes to the light. Is there a relationship between truth and the light? Absolutely. When things are done honestly, when things are done right, when things are done truthfully, praise God, you welcome all the light in the world. Doesn't matter to me. What are you doing with the church money? Just, you come take a look if you like. I I have nothing to hide. I said I have nothing to hide. You come look at all the financial documents you want. You just can't leave with them. I'm not here to hide anything. Amen. Right? Amen. Praise God. we am look around at my cell phone. Go ahead. Amen. Doesn't bother me. Amen. Want to ask me where I was last night about 2 a.m.? Yeah, in bed, where I should have been. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You see this? Hallelujah. Let me read part of this to you from the message translation. I really like it. Verse 19 in the message translation says, this is the crisis that we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. See, God, God knows the truth of our hearts. And there won't be any hiding from Him. Verse 20 goes on and says, Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, who hates God-light, won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God-light, so the work can be seen for the God-work that it is. Now, it's not true in every case, but I'm thinking about one precious person uh, that I've endeavored to pastor, would love to be a blessing to him if I could. But when they are right and living right, they're here. They're here every, every service. And I know when they have fallen in the ditch because they're not here. And when I call, when I ask, how's it going? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Just busy. Liar. Liar. What you been up to? Not much. Liar. Liar. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Liar. Again, that's not true of everyone who misses a service. I don't think that. But I have history with this particular person I'm thinking of. Amen? Well, he doesn't want to come here during those times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Telling you. I mean, it's like people tell on themselves without telling on (laughs) (laughs) themselves. It's funny how people tell on themselves. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Y'all are doing good. Just hang in there. I'm closing. Praise God. You probably don't have time to write these references down. We're certainly not turning them to them. But concerning the darkness, this is what the Word of God says believers are to do about darkness. We are to renounce darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.3. Oh, it's so precious, some of the things. I can't tell you because it's just too private. You know, it's just too private. But I have had recent, even, opportunities where, precious ones have come to me and told me about the darkness that has gripped them. And I said, well, do you want to be free? He said, yes. And in just two minutes of prayer, that demonic stronghold that had held some folks for years, some precious ones, as I talk to them, their whole adult life, they don't know adult life without this bondage. And yet, God is setting them free. Now, that's up to them to decide if they ever want to come up and tell you about it or in private conversation. That's not for me. But it's happening. And it's great. I said, it's great, it's wonderful. And I don't think any less I remember what being bound in darkness is like. And then some uh, of these examples I'm thinking about, they've, they've lived enough since then, they've gotten new jobs, new promotions. I mean, big things taking place in their family. And uh, it's amazing how fast God is able to pour on the blessing and put things back together when you separate from the darkness. Hallelujah. And there's no, I'm not, there's no altar call like that coming where I'm going to ask you to, no. But I'm telling you, my office is open. I'm telling you, there's nothing like being free. Nothing like being free. We are to renounce darkness. Listen, sweetheart, if you are a regular with pornography, you're addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You're addicted to it. And you can be free. Amen. God loves you. Amen. I love you. And I, I know, I've ex- I, I, I know, you know, because I've been in, I've been in it with men. I, I've been in it in those private moments with guys. And uh, the hook that that has in their soul. They want to be free. They've tried to be free. They cannot. Satan's got that hook in them, and the shame they carry around, and the guilt they, and the filth that they, you know, and the all of that. And I've seen Jesus. Amen. Whoo! Set them free. Set them free. Guys, okay. Number two about darkness. We are called as believers to shine. A bright light in the midst of the darkness. And the light is supposed to be you. You're the light. Brother Sean, you're the light. Caden, you're the light. Chris back there, you're the light. Hallelujah. The light. Come on. I'm the light. We're not supposed to hide the light. We're not supposed to veil the light because, you know, we're a Christian and they're, you know, our coworkers are not. We're supposed to let our light shine. God needs contrast. You and I are to be the, con- the contrast. Number three, the Bible says that we are to come out of darkness. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9 that we are a chosen generation. We are a, a uh, what did it say, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that God has called out of darkness into darkness. His marvelous light. Amen. Now maybe your deal's not pornography, but, and maybe you don't have a deal, but if you've got a hidden, dark deal, come out. Amen. Come out. Amen. I, I am extending to you a hand that you could grab hold of, and I will help you out. There are people, it doesn't have to be me. Find you somebody. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? God loves us all so much. He's not moved by it, but he sees the destructive, yeah. wow. degrading wow. effect that it has on your life. Right. He also is keenly aware of what he cannot do in your life right. while you're in that darkness. Right. Number four. The Bible says that Christians are to separate from darkness. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Separate. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. No fellowship between Christ and Belial. Right? No fellowship between the believer and the unbeliever. What are we supposed to do? Just uh, get out here in West Paducah, build a big wall, live within the wall? No. No. But you're not supposed to have your close fellowship with darkness anymore. If you've got, you're endeavoring to move toward light, but you've got friends who like the dark, yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, right. I said, It is time to go. It's one of the first things God said to me coming out of that dark hole get rid of all your friends. That's what God told me. Get rid of all your friends. I mean, where could I get a, a good hit of meth from? Do you know? You better not know. Jennifer's. But see, if you know where to go get a good hit of meth from, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> yeah. I said, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. Anybody over here know where I get a fake ID? That's good, Gretchen. You sing on the praise team. But if people were honest, some people could answer my questions. Where could I go get me a good snort? Where could I go get me a nice little girl on the side? See, I don't know. You listen to the radio, you look at the media, and you talk to some people, and it's like, The whole town is seeped in it. It may be, but I don't know it. I can't find them. I'm not looking. I am separate. I still go to the mall, but, you know, come on. You live different. Amen. The last one, verse 5, or not verse 5, number 5. The Bible tells us that we are to have no fellowship. Ephesians chapter five verse eleven: No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. That's gonna let that govern this week. I really am done. Let that govern this week. The TV shows you watch. How much fellowship with darkness are you supposed to enjoy? None. Let that verse, Ephesians five eleven, govern. The music you listen to. Amen. Let that verse govern. Let it be the yes or the no about the places you go this week. And let it govern who you hang with this week. How much fellowship? None. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Amen. 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 Oh, I had about six more pages of notes to get to, but I didn't get to it. Let's all stand up on our feet today. Hallelujah.